How do you answer the question, are you a Christian nationalist? What should we think about Christian nationalism on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast number 17. Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world, and today, Christian nationalism. Big topic. Yeah, it's big. It's um, and, and it's a dangerous topic in some ways because of, of what's going on, the, the national conversation that's out there. I was going to say, it seems like it's everywhere. You hear that popping up. There's conferences, and people are talking about it. So should we start out by... Are you ready to define what is Christian nationalism? Well, I think it depends on your perspective. I, I, I'll give it from, you know, there's a secular perspective of Christian nationalism. It's the idea that in terms of the nation being a Christian nation and it being a, a nation that's governed by the laws of God, and it's in, in terms of what the secular media is defining it as, is that Christians are forcing their system of morality on everyone else the idea that the that we're a you know one nation under god but it's a you know from a negative point of view because you know we're forcing christianity or at least judeo christianity judeo christian worldview on everyone else and so mm-hmm. it's seen you know in terms of it's seen as a threat to secularism so that's that's a lot different than npr they define Christian nationalism as voting for Trump, being pro-life instead of pro-choice, and is a racist. Well, that's, yeah, the problem is, is that it's exactly what it gets boiled down to. This idea, I mean, that you've got, you know, the voting for Trump piece that, you know, if I, I'm a Christian nationalist, if I voted for Trump, I'm a, I'm a Christian nationalist if I'm pro-life. And so what's going on is the, the secular media is broad brushing, you know, those who have a, a biblical worldview, and they're basically broad brushing that into something that is wrong and idolatrous that we're making uh, the nation into this idol that we're that we're a, a Christian nation and th- that we're you know first and foremost a Christian nation and really broad brushing you know some things that would be you know you and I would stand for like I would st- I mean obviously I'm pro-life I may have voted for Trump but that doesn't make me you know this right-wing extremist, if you will. Uh, That's what I'm saying when I'm talking about broad brushing. So can it really even be defined? Is it just sort of a term thrown out there, too broad of a term? Well, I think that that's, again, that's where the broad brushing comes from. If If you're saying that, if I believe that our laws should generally reflect God's law, and that makes me a Christian nationalist, if you're saying that, then, you know, yes, I'm guilty. I'm a Christian nationalist. But if you're saying that I'm infringing or I'm a guy that wants to infringe on take away freedoms of Americans, you know, because I want them to live exactly how I want them to live and, and there's no other way than, you know, based on my choices, based on what I believe, then I'm not a Christian nationalist. So it's it depends on how you're looking at it, how you define it. The sec- secular media, you know, they're, they're trying to color it in, a, in the most negative light as they possibly can. So if I were to ask you, are you a Christian nationalist? You would you would say maybe, depending on how you're asking it. Yeah, I think I think if you if you're asking me, are you a Christian nationalist, and you're defining it as I believe that the law should be that our laws should be generally based on God's laws, 
yes, I would be a Christian nationalist in that sense. I, I do believe that our laws should reflect the character of God and who God is and how God has made this world. I do believe that. Yeah, so if you're asking from that point of view, then yes, I, I'm, I'm a Christian nationalist. But if you're asking it from a point of view and how the secular media is trying to make it, you know, I'm an insurrectionist, I'm that I'm against the idea of the nation as a free nation. I, no, I'm not that. So Al Mohler, you mentioned Al Mohler, right? He calls himself a Christian nationalist. Do you think that's something that he should have done? Well, I, you know, I have, I've, I listened to quite a bit of his stuff, you know, even getting prepared for this. I didn't actually hear him say that he's a Christian nationalist, but I, you know, in the sense that, that the sense that I got from, from Al Mohler and listening to him would be very similar to what I'm saying. Yeah tag you're it in terms of if you if you're asking do i believe that a nation of laws and those laws should generally be based on god's law then yes i think that i mean i think that's what he's saying that's what i'm saying yeah and when you look at it from what you just said i think every believer really is a christian nationalist when you look at it from that point of view sure i mean we should want i mean it it really comes down to anything less than god's law becomes a relativism you know you and i talked about this offline in terms of, you know, how we look at that. I mean, we all have a sense of right and wrong. Every, even even the secularist has the sense of what's right and wrong, and they would say certain things are right and certain things are wrong. It's a matter of really who has the authority to say what's right and wrong. And ultimate, the only ultimate authority of what's right and wrong in this world is God, because God is the one who created the world. And so as a as a Christian, I recognize that. I recognize that he is the one who's made this world, and anything that is right or wrong, he's the one who's defined it. And anything less than that is substandard. You know, how he's made this world and doesn't live up to his character, if you will, if using that, that terminology, is it you know, falls short. I mean, it's, it falls short of God's glory. And so the problem is, is it, it becomes relativism, and, and ultimately it's going to sink to anarchy. Because if I say, you know, we talked about it before beforehand, and, you know, the Christian would say a man lying with a man is sinful, that it's against God's law. But then you get into the secular worldview, and, you know, they would say, well, a man with a man is okay. But then depending on who you're talking to, you know, a 40-year-old man with a 20-year-old man that's okay. But a 30-year-old man with a 10-year-old young boy all of a sudden becomes not okay. So again, you know, as a Christian, I can, I can easily point to God's law and say a man lying with a man, it doesn't matter. That is sinful. That's against God's law. But then you get into with the secular worldview, where does that line get, get drawn? There is no standard. I mean, it's, it's, it's based, when I say relativism, it ends up being based on what, you know, one person thinks. And so anything, any law that gets made is there's going to be people who disagree with that law. And, and so if it, you know, as an example, you know, shoplifting is shoplifting wrong in the Christian worldview, it's theft, It's, it's wrong. But then you get into the secular worldview and, and you get into, well, why are they shoplifting? And, you know, is it because they have a need and, and maybe we should be fulfilling that need? No, it's sin. It's sin, it's sin no matter what. Now, they're obviously, as Christians, we want to help people. And at the same time, we understand that if man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So, you know, there's that, you know, there's biblical worldview, there's bi- bi- biblical answers to those questions that we ha- as Christians can point to, but the world can't. The world doesn't have that standard, and so ultimately it becomes, again, what I've termed as relativism. Does the world sort of do what 
liberals do with the Constitution when they believe it's a living, breathing document that it needs to change with the times. And I think we see people doing that with the Bible as well, because the way the world is moving, we have, you know, homosexual marriage, we have transgender The Bible did not foresee any of this coming, so we have to kind of update it to fit with our times. And they do the same thing with the Constitution. You know, it's outdated. It was written by all these white guys, so we need to update it, whereas both of these are actually, they can't be changed. They shouldn't be changed. Well, Scripture definitely, definitely is cemented, and Mm -hmm. it's God's Word. It doesn't change. It's unalterable. The Constitution was written so that we could we could make changes. I mean, the, the, we can make the, amendments yeah, to we, it. Yes, but. but we can. You know, there are methods and ways that that can be. You know, that you know, in terms of voting and Congress and the states and all of that, all those things have say in how how these things go on and whether we have an amendment or how we interpret things. The court, you know, the court looks at it and is able to do that. So there are ways. I mean, in terms of the Constitution, that that it can be understood differently or it can be altered. But the the bar to do that is really, really high. But it, in terms of the Constitution, I mean, I think you could say, I don't think it's I don't think it's a living document like Obama would say it's a living document. There is a transcendence, if you will, to that document that says that, you know, that this is these are these are truths that we hold to be self-evident type of idea, mm-hmm. you know, and so these are truths that are that are given by our creator idea that, you know, that's that's where the those men that wrote the Declaration of Independence, those men who wrote and, and signed the Constitution and signed the Declaration of Independence, they held these ideas that are unchangeable ideas. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to the next questions that I have for you is, you know, is the United States, has it ever been or is it a Christian nation? Well, that's an interesting question. I would argue that there were people who, that by and large, those who founded the nation had a Christian worldview and an understanding of who God is that was derived from Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm just saying, by and large, the people who founded this nation, that founded the United States, they had a Christian worldview, and, and they made decisions, and they did things in light of that worldview. In terms of whether we're a Christian nation, there was a, a separation of church and state that government was not to dictate the government and the church were not the same thing that the government was not to take on the role of the church and interfere in the church in any way and so i mean that's how i understand the the separation of church and state and so in the sense of is the constitution christian in that sense i would have to say no in the sense of in the sense of it's not the church i would have to say that the Constitution definitely allows for people to worship or not worship in whatever way that they would they want to. So that allows for you know the Muslim to live in the, in this land. That allows for you know different religious worldviews. So that allows for those things and allows for you know people who believe differently to live side by side, basically agree on how we should be governed, and that we're allowed to go to the ballot box and and vote for those who we think are going to govern us in a way that makes the best sense for us. So in that sense, no, it was, it, I don't think it was created to be a Christian nation in that sense. But there is a biblical worldview there. But I think there's also the recognition. I mean, I think that the atheist can live under the Constitution just as 
as soundly as the as the Christian who takes a biblical worldview can, because ultimately that atheist is not disallowed by the Constitution to to be involved in the constitutional process of you know installing leaders and you know Supreme Court, Congress, President, Vice President, you know Senate, the House of Representatives. I mean, obviously I said the Congress, but the point is is that they are a part of that process. I mean, not just allowed, but encouraged to be a part of that process, and you know, under the Constitution. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a. I think that there is a biblical worldview that was there in, in writing the Constitution. You know, in terms of you know, all men are created equal. You know, that that idea that's there, that's a biblical I- idea that's infused into the Constitution, into the into the founding documents. Yeah, and and what are the big three that God has established? for a society, right? We've talked about this. Yeah, the church, the family, the church and and government, civil government. I and mean, those are the those are the three entities that that God is, you know, that we see clearly in scripture. I mean, the family, Adam and Eve, they had children, you know, and there's a there's a, that's a unit, father being, you know, the leader, the head, woman and and the children submitting to his leadership, that that entity that's an entity of itself and then you have uh, the government is there to in, enforce laws, you know, especially uh, to protect its citizens, you know, whether it be against other nations or against each other, you know, in terms of, in terms of the things that they might do to one another. And, and the church is there to govern those things that are, that are religious. And so I, I mean, that's the three entities that God has instituted scripturally. Family, church, government, or would it be church, family, government, but we have flipped it. We're government, family, church. Yeah, I mean, basically, you've you got government that oversees both the family and church, and so some laws are rightful. You know, obviously, if a if a father is abusing his children, the government steps into that into that situation and and protects the children. If husbands abusing their wife, you know, the government steps in in the form of the police and the judicial system to deal with that. I mean, I think that's right. But what's happened is is that government has taken, in many cases, has taken authority, and part of that, at least part of that, is because you know, like marriage is in the in the eyes of God, and that should be a church church family dynamic and really the government isn't involved in that but now the government because of taxes because of being seen as married by in the eyes of government because of taxes the government now has taken over that because of marriage licensing you know you you know you get married in the eyes of the church but that in the eyes of the state you have to they have to recognize that you know i think that that gives inroads into that institution that is not biblical because i think again it's the church that recognizes marriage but then how do you deal with secular secular you know people who aren't part of the church and so it, it gets confused that way the point is is that government takes inroads into the family into the church in ways that that is not biblical and and it's and can be problematic so in the times that we live in the government is stronger than the other two right now the government is dictating what's going on. So as we look at Christian nationalism, I think they would say the yes to this, right? Should we separate religion and government? That Can we even do that as believers, you know? I think it depends on what you mean by separate. I mean, it's it, so... Politics a, and religion, should those be separate? Is that what... It depends on what you mean by separate, because the founding fathers, they, they didn't want the church to dictate government and, you know, like church and government to be together in the sense of 
you have the church that are that is dictating laws. They didn't want the other way. They w- didn't want government telling the church how to worship. So they there, there's that separation. But where it gets messed up is, and what you know, where people bring un- ideas that are not what was intended, is that okay, who I am, if, I, if I'm a politician and I'm also a Christian, I should be able to bring my Christianity into my politics. Like, I should be able to vote. As an example, well, I, it, I don't even have to be a politician. If I go to the ballot box, I should be able to vote according to my worldview, right? I mean, I, have the, I should have the right to vote according to, if I think abortion is murder, and I do, I should be able to vote for candidates who agree with me. If I think that abortion is wrong, and I do, I should be able to vote and say that that abortion clinic down the street should be closed. I mean, I should be able to vote that way. I should be able to go to my judge, judges and my, you know, the judicial branch and, and to make my case before them, my case that as a Christian worldview. I should be able to do that. And the Constitution allows me to do that, right? I mean, if you're looking at it from that point of view, then yes, I think that, that my Christianity and government does mix. I mean, it has to. And by the way, it goes the other way. If I, if a, if a person is an atheist under the Constitution, should they be able to vote those values? Yes. I mean, that's that's constitutional. Well, I was just going to ask you this. It, it's funny because those on the left, if they vote based on their atheistic suppositions, it's called democracy in action. But if a if a Christian votes based on their theistic supposition, that is called Christian nationalism. Yeah. Which is, it's just a way of trying to make us feel like we shouldn't be doing this, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, again, we've, we've been conditioned by government, you know, whether it's government schools or, you know, whether you went to, you know, a government elementary school or high school or a government college, you've been conditioned that you have to keep your Christianity out of it, that you can't vote your Christianity, that it's, that there's a separation, quote unquote, of church and state. But that's not what the founders intended. They intended us to be able to be able to be a part of the process. And so I'm, a, I'm allowed as a Christian to have a worldview and to vote that worldview. And it, and, and if it's wrong, I mean, if it's, if others don't agree, they, they're allowed to vote differently. I mean, it's, it's the way the Constitution was written that allows people to vote differently or, or to engage in the process in, a di- in different ways to be able to carry their worldview. And, you know, at the end of the day, in, in some ways, majority rules. I mean, we, you know, we all agree that if, if this is what happens lawfully, if lawfully this is what, you know, the law that was, was brought into existence or if this is the way the judge ruled or if this is the way that the president acts. I mean, we all agreed that if as long as they acted lawfully and legally and within the process, which I guess is the definition of lawfully and legally, but as long as they acted within the process, we all agree, even though we may not agree with the law, we all agree to abide by it. How do how would you as a Christian not vote your conscience as, you know, how, how could we even do that? Like, well, you couldn't do that and be voting according to your well, conscience. Well, that's what I mean. That's like, and they, a, but they expect. It doesn't almost, follow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't disengage who I am. And, you know, when I go to the vote, the ballot, ballot box or yeah. when, I, when I engage in the political process in any level, I, I can't disengage who I am. You know, as an example, I used homosexuality as an, as an example. I'm going to vote based on God's law. I think it's good and right that a man does not lie with a man. A woman does not lie with a woman. I think that ultimately they are actually hurting themselves when they do those things, that they're bringing condemnation on themselves even. Therefore, I'm actually voting according to love when I do that. 
a, a biblical worldview. Now, I recognize that someone who wants to do those things is not going to agree. And I, I recognize that, but that doesn't, I mean, again, that's why there's the process. You know, that's, that's why there's a constitutional pro- process that, that lets us make those decisions, you know, in terms of the process. And, you know, I, I recognize, I mean, I do recognize, I, I don't know, I haven't completely thought through the, the implications of this, but I've agreed implicitly by being born here by living here, I am now a part of this nation. I am a part of this nation, and I am agreeing to abide by the laws. And if if the law of the land says that it's okay with a man to lie with a man, according to the law of the land, I I'm not I'm not I can't take the law into my own hands. You know, I I, I should be able to speak out. I should be able to say that that is a sin. You know, because I'm. I'm exercising my rights under the First Amendment to say that that's a sin. There's nothing wrong with me saying that. I mean, in terms of the Constitution, in terms of what the Constitution says, there's free speech. It allows that person to say that I'm wrong. I'm I'm okay. It's it's I'm free to preach that that you know that an act is sinful, and they're free to say that I'm wrong. I mean, that's how that that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the three the three categories again that God has ordained: family, church, government. The government has redefined marriage, which you really can't redefine marriage anyway because God's the one who recognizes a marriage, but we do it, and so we legally let them, same-sex people, get married. We have the power in our church to say we're not going to do it. That's right. We, we as a church— For now, anyway. Well, we as a church should, under God, according to what we're talking about with the separation in terms of— the three entities, the church, the family, and the government, we have the ability as a church because we believe that marriage is not a government thing, that it's not primarily the government. We do recognize that the government has some say the way it's set up in terms of taxes and in terms of you know recognizing marriage and that legally in that way. But the ultimate authority for marriage is the church. And so as an example, Grace Bible Church would not recognize a homosexual marriage. I mean, would not recognize that as being valid and would not allow someone to be a member who is participating in a homosexual marriage, even to the point of you know, someone who visits, you know, in a, in a long-term fashion, we wouldn't allow for that because it's bringing sin in the camp. And we should be able to make that decision because it's God who is controlling the church. It's, well, ultimately, it's specifically, it's Christ who's controlling the church. He's the one building his church. He is the Lord of his church. Because of that, we are able to make that decision. And thankfully, up until this point, the government hasn't interfered to that level. But, well, I say that. I know that there have been incursions in that way in terms of trying to force churches and other entities into, especially like Christian colleges and things like that. And that's where, you you know, you get into the funding, you know, where a Christian college takes the, you know, gets onto the Pell Grant program and gets money, you know, funding through through the government. As soon as they do that, I mean, they're opening themselves up to now being dictated to as to what they can believe in terms of how, or at least what they practice. Because if they don't do what the government wants them to do, the government is, you know, by rights can take the money away from them. And so it puts, it puts these, uh, these entities into a compromised position. And we're talking about Christian nationalism, and we can unpack this more. There's so much here. We're just trying to sketch a giant canvas right now, and we're, we're hoping to come back and, and paint it uh, with more vibrant colors. But as we look at our country, 
I'm just going to ask this to you. Is, is the United States exceptional, and is it specially blessed by God? What do you think of that? I think that historically, the Constitution and the way the Constitution was written, the heart behind the Constitution, I think that the Lord has blessed that process. I do think that the Lord has blessed this nation because it has, by and large, been a nation of laws that reflect his character, that reflect his commandments. Um, do I think that that we are a nation that is above everyone else because of that? Do I think that the, that there's something different about, ultimately different about the United States? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think that we are, there's an exceptionalism about us, that we've, we're just one nation of among many nations that have, that have existed. And here's what we have to recognize you know god god has a he has his law that law reflects his character that law reflects how the world has been made let me give you an example male and female god created them male and female anything that goes against that is substandard his standard meaning you know when i say substandard i mean it, it doesn't meet his standard anything that it goes against that is something that is less than the ideal and so if, you know, if God has made the world in a certain way, if we follow that, there's going to be blessing because we're following how he's made the world. You know, so if a man lies with a woman and has children, you know, God generally is going to bless that because that's how he's made the world. It's just the way it works. Thou shalt not murder. There's going to, we're going to flourish because of that. You know, whereas, you know, a nation or a, or a people that are okay with murder. I mean, and, and they have existed. You know, they're going to wipe themselves out ultimately because they, they're okay with that. If we generally enforce that, you know, telling the truth is the right thing to do. You know, that that we believe as a people that we ought to tell the truth. If we generally enforce that in our laws and we we honor that in our laws, we're going to be blessed if we do that, right? So anything that goes against God's law, God is not going to bless that. So what I'm saying is, is specific to the United States, as we have reflected, as our laws has, have reflected God's law, I believe there's been blessing. And that's any, any nation. I mean, as, as their laws reflect God's law, there's going to be blessing. As those laws begin to diverge and go away from what God says, that, that blessing will go away. And I think that's what we're seeing, you know, in terms of the United States, as we have departed from you know, those things that God says is good and right. As we depart from those things, I think that we're seeing more and more of the opposite side of blessing, you know, being, you know, even cursed. Ultimately, you know, the world being against us. And I think that's what we're going to see as the nation continues to spiral. As we continue to pull away from what's good and right, I think that we're going to continue to see that. And, and there isn't, you know, there isn't anything that makes us special. I mean, the name United States doesn't make us special. Yeah. It's it's to the extent that we obey God. You just got me thinking because when you when you were talking about that, it is interesting that there are formulas that the Bible gives us for life that if we follow them, our lives are better. That's right. And you just made me think of our laws, you know, if we stay biblical because even in a marriage, if a wife submits to the husband and the husband loves his wife the way Christ loves the church, that marriage is so much stronger. That's right. Because it follows what God, it follows God's way, right? 
I mean, so if I follow, if I follow God's way, there's going to be blessing. You know, if I follow God's wisdom, it's a, it's, it's wisdom, right? It's God's wisdom because that's how God has made things to be, and and He understands it above any anyone, right? He has, he's transcendent of man's way, and so his way is always going to be the right way. And so to the extent I follow that, there was, there's going to be, in, whether as a husband or whether, you know, in my family or whether in my church or whether the government, to the extent I follow that, then we're, there's going to be blessing. And as Christians, we shouldn't shrink back from that, right? I mean, that, that, that is right and true, whether, whether it's popular or it's not. And, and, you know, to, we live in a world today where it's becoming less and less popular to say that. Now, the, yeah, it's becoming less and less popular, at least among many people, that, that we should say that, that God's way is the right way. But we shouldn't shrink back from that. And if that's what it means to be a Christian nationalist, then I'm guilty, if yeah. that's what it means. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I look at, I look at God as sovereign. <laughs> I know you do, too. And so... Nations are created by him. So the United States obviously was a nation that was created by God for a purpose, and it could just be as simply as World War II. If there was no United States, who knows what Germany might have accomplished in Japan. The United States was able to stop both of them with the help of with England and the Soviet Union. But it could be that simple. God can raise them up and he can bring them down. And we see Great Britain had its moment, it's down. We don't know what the future holds, but we know that God is in control of what's happening everywhere. Some people do look at the United States as kind of Israel. It replaces Israel as God's nation, right? And, and I think that's a little extreme when you look at that. Yeah, I, I don't see the United States as being... As as replacing Israel in that sense, I don't think I don't think that you know I mean God used Israel in his in my opinion will use Israel in the future for his for his yeah. special purpose and I I think that as as we but I do think that as we obey God as our laws reflect God's character then He will bless us but yeah but I think that's true for every nation that has ever existed and by the way Paul says in Acts chapter seventeen. He says he made from, this is Acts 17, verse 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind to inhabit the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries or the boundaries of their habitation. Mm. And so according to the, you know, according to Paul here in Acts 17, 26, you know, every, everyone descended from Adam. Every, every nation then came from Adam you know, every nation has been has come from Adam, from one man, uh, to inhabit all the face of the earth. So God is the one who, by His sovereign hand, God is the one who has caused the United States to be where it's at, and has appointed their appointed or determined their appointed times. You know, you have the Roman Empire was there, the time that that the Roman Empire existed, the fact that it was there, the time that it existed in is all appointed by God and the boundaries of their habitation. So their borders, you know, are are set by God. Our borders, the United States borders, the fact that we, you know, in 1776 we declared independence and you know that we were able to to fight for independence against England, that was appointed by God to happen. Now he uses sinful man and for his purposes and you know you could say, well, 
I mean, I've heard it said that that you know the United States was wrong for you know de- declaring independence and fighting for freedom against Britain. But even if you take that view, even if that's the view you take, it's still according to sovereign, the sovereign hand of God that that happened at that time, and that the borders that we have, you know, that are formed to this day, you know, that through purchase, through war or whatever, has been, you know appointed by God. He's the one who set those boundaries. He's the one that sets that time. And we have to understand that. And to the degree that we obey him, to the degree that our laws say it's in a different way, to the degree that our laws reflect his character and his glory, or his, again, say in a better way or different way, his law, then he's going to bless us. And I think as Christians, we see that and we should fight for that, right? There's nothing, that's not being, that's not being Wrong. It's not wrong for us to fight for that. That's our. That's the biblical worldview. And and you know, I think it's well. I know Al Mohler says it a lot. That it's about human human flourishing. That that we see the biblical worldview leading to human flourishing. And I think I think that's right. I think that the secular worldview is is a worldview that's going to come is bankrupt and and ultimately will lose. In you know, just from the fact of. As an example, you know, by and large, secularists don't want to have a lot of children. And, you know, Christians, Christians by and large, who are Christ, biblical Christians, see children as a blessing from the Lord. Well, you know, let's go three or four generations down the road. Which, who wins that battle? Those who take a view that God exists, by and large, are having more children than those who don't. Yeah. You know, those who take a secular worldview are having less children. Just to just to talk about United States again, it's it's never was perfect. We did some things, you know, manifest destiny. That doesn't mean that the entire what we've done is is evil, is wicked, because there there has been a lot of good things that have come out of the United States as well. Well, I think what we have to recognize as Christians is that we live in a fallen world, and that there's never it's never going to be perfect. And by the way, if I haven't completely thought this through, but if our laws generally reflect God's character, then God blesses, will bless that, which means that he's going to use us in judgment of other people. It doesn't necessarily make everything that we did right, doesn't make it all good, but he does use nations to judge other nations, and we have to recognize his sovereign hand in doing that that he used the nation, the United States, to judge people as we expanded. Doesn't necessarily, again, make that every situation right. But it doesn't make, it doesn't, we shouldn't sit in judgment over people who lived 100 years ago or 200 years ago or whatever and think that we would have done anything differently. I think it's, there's an ultimate pride there to think that we are somehow better because we're more enlightened than they than they were. All right, let's put a pin in this and let's come back and talk about it in our next broadcast. There's so much here. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, a ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening. <laughs>